0: Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday morning from the podcast daily. It is that time again. Bill Landis is back with me, Austin Ward. And we have more questions because there is another media day down here in Atlanta. So we're going to let Bill uh, give us the ammunition that we need to go out and get the answers that he needs. And you all desperately want as Ohio State gets ready for Saturday night in the Peach Bowl against Georgia. Uh, So we've, we've knocked out the offense. We've had the arrival on Monday from Ohio State. And now, Bill, it is time to look at this interesting matchup with Ohio State's defense, Silver Bullets, uh, trying to bounce back from that fourth quarter last month against Michigan. I know they're sick of hearing it uh, and match up with Georgia, which, as you have pointed out several times, probably a lot more dangerous offensively than they tend to get credit for.
1: Yeah, they're really good. Um, And and probably flies under the radar because of how good Georgia's defense is, understandably so. Um, I want to ask – I was watching the – the live a live stream of the offensive press conferences on Tuesday and someone asked Kevin Wilson for some reason about stopping George's offense. Mm. So I'm gonna I would like to ask Jim Knowles about preparing to go against George's defense <laughs> to keep the theme alive to keep the nonsensical theme alive. Because I don't know what you get out of that. Kevin Wilson to his credit gave a good answer because Kevin Wilson likes to talk and it doesn't really matter what you ask them. But I don't know why we're asking the opposing offensive coordinator about the other team's offense.
0: This is what happens when you're not around to grab the microphone <laughs> and make sure that there's some semblance of normalcy in a press conference. This is your fault, Bill.
1: Yeah. I'll take the I'll take the blame for that, I, I suppose. Um, it is uh, – we have not – correct me if I'm wrong, we have not talked to Jim Knowles, right, since the Michigan game? He, he yeah. came post game, and we haven't talked to him since? That's right. So, I mean, there's a lot to dig into with him then. I, I don't know. At this point, probably like a full on postmortem of the Michigan game is is probably unnecessary and, and certainly something I'm sure he doesn't want to do when they're a couple of days away from playing in the Peach Bowl semifinal. Um, but I would be curious about what, what he learned coming, coming out of that. And I remember like earlier in the year, the thing I like about Jim Knowles is like he, he almost begrudgingly so sometimes, but like he likes to tell stories about like like past instances in his career that sort of inform what he's doing now. I remember, we were talking about like the lack of turnovers Ohio State had earlier in the year, and he's like, "Well, there was one year where I had back-to-back games where we had a dozen turnovers and or a dozen takeaways, and we gave up like a hundred and ten points in those back-to-back games." So I'm wondering now if he, you know, that was probably or certainly wasn't his defense's finest hour against Michigan. Um and I wonder if he's had experiences like that in the past where he just got really burned on big plays like that and maybe how it informed sort of how he how he bounced back from that, how he progressed forward from there. Because you, you wrote a story last week at OhioChotrivals.com and, and I've kind of touched on it a little bit too. Like what do you do when your your aggression kind of gets turned against you when you're someone like Jim Knowles? Do you do you ratchet it back or do you stay true to who you are? And mm-hmm. um I'm kinda of curious where Jim Knowles is with that at the moment. Yeah. I think my,
0: my feeling on that, and I'm sure that this will be something that Jim Knowles addresses directly is that you can't, he's been doing this long enough. and He has a a large enough body of work and sample size and experience to draw from that. You could say, well, it didn't work this time, but it doesn't mean that the system is broken or irreparably damaged, or you have to go to the next game and do the exact opposite of what you did before and suddenly become conservative. Like, that wasn't what he was hired to do at Ohio State. Uh, and part of this philosophy that he brings is that five explosive plays are going to happen. We talked about that going into the spring. We talked about that in September. We talked about it in October. We talked about it in November. Obviously, what happened against Michigan is that those five explosives all turned into touchdowns, and that you simply cannot happen. have happened. But on the same token, if you try and go out there and play against Georgia and say, well, you're going to sit back in a... In a cover two shell and, you know, force Stetson Bennett to go up and down the field and then hope that you don't break in the red zone. Like, I don't, that doesn't seem like a smart strategy and it also doesn't fit with what Ohio state's overall approach is, which is Ryan day wanting to make sure that his offense is on the field and getting as many opportunities as possible to put up points. Like all this stuff is supposed to fit hand in hand. You want your defense to be aggressive so that they can try and steal a turnover, maybe score on it. Uh, Create conf- confusion and chaos for the quarterback, and if it's not a three and out, you know sometimes it, a fast drive that scores is not the worst thing in the world. If your offense gets to go back out there, not advocating that <laughs> Ohio State should do that or that Jim Knowles wants anybody to score, but there, the, this was a conscious effort going into it to play a much more aggressive style and accept the risk uh, on both sides of the football.
1: Yeah, they w- they want to be in your face, and and it's a, a as we talked about when Jim Knowles got hired, and and kind of throughout this year, it was a it was a flip, like a, a pretty much a, a full like 180 from where they were previously under Ryan Day. A full 180, I guess does not make sense, but it was a 180 from where Ryan Day was. Uh, it was previously. Half, it was a half 360. It was it was a half 360, um, <laughs> an about face, if you will, and uh, and they they just don't Jim Knowles does not want to be a, a bend but don't break kind of defense. Ohio State lived in that world. And, um, you know, it was kind of okay when you have a, a Chase Young, and it was less okay after Chase Young left. I think I think they want to try to set the terms as a defense, and sometimes that does lead to you getting burned. Um, I, I, part, part of what happened against Michigan almost feels like, like an anomaly to me. Like, how, how many games are you going to play where a team scores touchdowns on that many big plays? I, I think not many if you played that game 10 times, but probably – doesn't happen again if you if you play it out that way um, not to excuse it because because it happened and they lost but but I think if you're Jim Knowles like I maybe maybe the 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 scar that we're assuming exists from a game like that maybe doesn't exist for Jim Knowles just because he's lived in that world for 30 plus years now and he knows that sometimes that that's just going to happen and I, maybe the worst thing you can do when something like that happens is kind of totally abandon who you are and what got you there so I, I don't expect Ohio State to to scrap that idea entirely but but I think there is probably something between all out aggression and and being passive and and guys like like Ronnie Hickman and Tanner McAllister were kind of talking about that when we had the on-campus media day about picking your spots a little better and and I wonder if if Jim Knowles might do that in this game but I don't think if Ohio State like sits back on its heels and, and tries to you know can find Georgia's offense and then hope to stand up in the red zone, I think you're asking for a bad day. I think I think you have to try to pressure Stetson Bennett in a way he hasn't been pressured before and get up in their face and, and try to be an aggressor against a team that's that's really good and frankly probably hasn't played very many defenses that were up to the task. So we'll see if Ohio State's is, but um it does put Jim Knowles in an interesting spotlight given what just happened to him the last time Ohio State was out on the field.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't even think that Georgia is a team that you want to mess with in the red zone that much because they're so mm-hmm. their their personnel is like ideally suited for working in small spaces whether that's with the rushing attack or Stetson Bennett using his legs or I think probably your next question what you do with those two tight ends because that's where they're most dangerous you get them into those confined spaces and they can dictate what personnel the defense is using and they can either be flexed out and make plays happen as wide receivers or obviously block for a rushing attack that's pretty good the
1: the yeah there's a lot to worry about with it's and it's not just like <clears throat> it's like they'll hand the ball off to brock bowers like what do you do like i don't i don't <laughs> what are you supposed to do against that they don't do it a ton but every time they do it it seems to be effective um and they weaponize those weaponize those guys um and really like fun and creative and difficult i'd imagine to stop ways when you're a defensive coordinator so so yeah I don't I wouldn't want to live in a world where it's like okay we're in the red zone let's let's stop them now it just doesn't doesn't seem like (laughs) it work out very well um I I wonder too like to to that point to your point about the tight ends like what is applicable from playing Michael Mayer to to this game and and I thought they had a really good plan against Michael Mayer when they played Notre Dame in the opener but that's also an offense where you you don't really have to worry about much else other than Michael Mayer and Mm -hmm. and Georgia kind of has two of those guys. Um, in, in addition to a playmaking quarterback and a pretty good rushing attack and good enough receivers that you have to, uh, you know, be, be honest against and, and, um, a stable of running backs. Some of them are, are pretty dynamic pass catchers. There's just a lot, a lot to worry about there in addition to the most dynamic guy, which happens to be Brock, Byer, Brock Bowers at the tight end position. So, um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think you could divert a lot of of your attention to Michael Mayer and, and get away with it. I I wonder if you can do that against Georgia. It's probably still the best course of action, um, but I I don't know. I'd be curious what Jim Knowles thinks of that because the you know it's it's not Georgia's offense is is not nearly like a, a one trick pony the way that I think Notre Dame's is.
0: Yeah, and we've asked about this really since the matchup was set on Selection Sunday. What does that mean for? the personnel that you use, you choose to use to defend yeah. Georgia, what Jim Knowles is going to do there. You know, he's obviously not going to reveal that game plan later on this morning. I had asked – I thought it was interesting. I asked a number of guys, and Berman and I were there at the College Football Hall of Fame on Monday night, and, uh, you know, just some general conversation, not trying to break any news or the cameras weren't rolling, but, like, just a sense for what they thought – that safety situation would look like what what groups might be involved because we've posited that Sonny Styles and Josh Proctor may have opportunities to impact this Peach Bowl and nobody really talked about that specifically and the reason that they didn't is they said this week at that point on Monday night they had not put a lot of game plan in to practice in that the safe, what I mean by that is the the safeties were all still rotating, and all of them were getting prepared for a number of different looks and getting reps. And I don't I don't know what's normal or not normal for installation for a game. But when you think about if you're in the season, Tuesday is when Ohio State would go out and have their first real practice to get ready for an opponent that Saturday. So I don't know. Maybe they're not being entirely truthful about that. Maybe they already had a better idea. But several players suggested to us that, that they didn't really know yet exactly how Jim Knowles wanted to defend those guys, uh, at least in terms of having repped it on the practice field. I thought that was interesting. You know, Tuesday, they had a completely closed practice. I, I think that that's probably where they got narrowed, narrowed down the attention a little bit for what they want to do. Wednesday, we'll have just 15 minutes to look at him. So we're probably not going to see a lot of great indication of Sonny <laughs> of Styles popping out there in a, in a larger personnel group. Um, maybe that'd be cool if they did so that we could talk about that for the next couple of weeks or a couple of days, but yeah, I, I just, I thought that was fascinating. That seems to be the approach is that Ohio state didn't want to spend an overload amount of time putting in a game plan and emphasizing that for two, two weeks or so.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think, I think it's different for players and coaches. Like I remember going into, I think I was like, I was in the Woody for some reason, like last spring. And I think I was in Ryan Day's office briefly, like Notre Dame film was on the TV in Ryan Day's office. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That game's not for another seven months. But um, <laughs> I think the, co- the the coaches, I think, put a lot of themselves um, to scout opponents and come up with plans. But I think there's a fine line between overburdening your players with with preparing Too much, and maybe that came out wrong. But like, you know, I I think if you spend a three full weeks game planning game planning for Georgia, you you enter the paralysis by analysis territory if if you do it a little too much. So I think it's probably better for Ohio State's players that they did treat this time in Atlanta as the true game week and and really dive into like you can watch personnel, you can watch tendencies, but like here's how we're going to defend this, here's how we're going to attack this kind of stuff, and then put it onto the practice field. I think it makes more sense to do to do that this week. So I'm not I'm not surprised to hear that um but it's 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 equally frustrating and also like makes me a little bit excited or more excited i guess i should say for the game not knowing exactly how they're going to defend this unique problem of georgia's two tight ends and whether that is a sunny styles or, or or a josh proctor um I don't even know, really know who else it could be. I think I think it has to be those two guys if they wanted to do it. Although Lathan Ransom played really well against Michael Mayer, so maybe it's him too, but like but, the, they have, the other, they have chess pieces to move around.
0: Yeah, the other part is, you know, linebackers obviously, mm-hmm. um if they wanted to get involved there, you know, Cody Simon could play more. Uh CJ Hicks by the way did not tear his ACL. Um so he's available for that. If That's great.
1: One. Yeah, that looked that looked look nasty. Yeah,
0: it didn't look good. So um, I mean, he's walking around. He was shocked that the people thought that he had torn his ACL. He wanted to ask and I where that information came from, and we said, "What? We don't know." But
1: um, <laughs> we watched it happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it didn't look great. But we, you know, we didn't say what it was because we didn't know. But it's nice for you to tell us now. Um, I don't. I mean, CJ Hicks probably not going to be involved in that, but. You know, there is that conversation. It doesn't have to be a safety. You know, Steel Chambers mm-hmm. is, is going to have to play a role in that. Tommy Eikenberg will have to play a role in that. Obviously, those two guys um, will be involved. But, you know, they could put Cody Simon back out there. I think that he's played uh, much better uh, in the second half of the year when he's been involved. I thought he, you know, I don't know why, if it was a rust or coming back off the injury or expecting that he was going to play a bigger role or what. I don't know. I didn't think he played all that well early on when he got in there, but he grew into that and got more comfortable and, and more impactful when that opportunity presented itself. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be Josh Proctor or Sonny Styles. It, it doesn't have to come from safety. Uh, there could be an element of linebacker play as well. And that's, again, like you said, that's that's the fun part. Like Normally we know exactly what Ohio State intends to do with these matchups, and they don't have to get all that creative because their their talent – is so much better than almost everybody they play this this is a rare opportunity where it's like well which pieces do you want to use they have them but we don't know for sure exactly how they'll be deployed that's kind of fun
1: yeah and I, I guess I don't know did the fact that Jim Knowles put sunny Styles on the field against Wisconsin which again might have been said at the time might have been more of an injury thing than than anything else but the, the willingness to do that kind of shows me that he's willing to get creative in, in matchups like this and um even against Michigan like they they didn't play different personnel all that much. I guess they played with some four linebacker looks a little more than they had in the past, but they still changed up the plan fairly drastically in terms of how much they crowded the line of scrimmage and played with zero coverage. So like Jim Knowles, um, one of the things I liked about him when Ohio state hired him is that he uh, had a history of tailoring his game plans to, you know, whatever an opponent specific Strength was like Ohio State's previous defenses just sort of ran out there and did the same thing every week, um, no matter who they were playing or what style of, of football it was for the most part. Jim Knowles, I think, is is a little more calculated than that. So that that leaves me uh, eager to see how he how he approaches attacking this particular test against Georgia because it it's not. There's been a lot of talk like, oh, Georgia's Georgia's built similarly to to Michigan, and 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 I think that's true to an extent, and and to the extent that they're like a big physical team, I think that's right, but. Uh, Michigan's identity is lining up and, and pummeling, pummeling you into the ground. That's not really Georgia's identity. This this is a, a different kind of identity, I think, that Ohio State has seen this year. Um, I don't know that there's a good one to one comparison for Georgia's offense for for a team that Ohio State's played this year. In the same way, I don't think there's a good one to one comparison for Ohio State's offense that, that Georgia's defense has faced this year. I think these are unique challenges um, for for both sides. But um, I do think, you know, I. The result against Michigan, I guess notwithstanding, I still have a fair amount of confidence in Jim Knowles' um, ability to put a good plan together and a plan that's tailored specifically to Georgia's strengths to, to help put Ohio State in the best position. Okay.
0: Uh, we don't know exactly which five Buckeyes are going to appear on uh, later on Wednesday morning. It's also subject to change, as we found out on Tuesday with Chip Traynham mm-hmm. coming in for Ryan Williams. I would guess that Zach Harrison and JT tui Moloal will represent the Buckeyes, Steel Chambers, most likely. Uh, Probably not Tommy Eichenberg because he had to appear uh, to grunt a little bit on the Zoom on Monday. (laughs) And Ronnie Hickman tends to get the nod a lot of times to go out there uh, and represent the Buckeyes. And then I guess my last wager would be Lathan Ransom. We'll actually know uh, beforehand, but if if it's from those group of five, who are you most uh, interested to hear from, Bill?
1: Uh, whoever on the defensive line is there? Um, Zach JT, uh, maybe like a Teron Vincent, or uh, maybe that that probably be it. one of the, one of those three or two of those three. Um, they the defensive line. Like I wrote, I wrote a story last week about the lack of sacks, quarterback sacks that Ohio State has had in, in big games over the last two years, and. Part of that is because sacks are just down across college football. It's just they're not as easy to come by as it used to be. Frankly, it's it's probably a, a slightly less meaningful stat than it used to be. Um, but nonetheless, like five sacks total in their last like five quote unquote big games is not very many. And, and you, I think you'd like to see Ohio State have more. And but when I wrote that, I, I didn't write that to suggest that Ohio State's defensive line had been playing poorly. Um, I think they've had a really good season, especially against the run, and there have been some real bright spots in and pass rushing as well. But uh, even like against Michigan, where if you look at the pressure rate, it's like oh, it was pretty good against JJ McCarthy. Like I I didn't consider it particularly effective because they they couldn't get to him, and then when they did get to him, they let him slip away, and then he made big plays down the field. So like mm-hmm. can, can and that's happened a lot this year where where they've just let slippery quarterbacks kind of get away from him, and, and I know that that's difficult, but. Stetson Bennett, I think, is a similar kind of guy. Maybe slightly less athletic than a JJ McCarthy or like a Daquan Finn um, from Toledo, but but impactful in that area and nonetheless. How do they how do they corral him, keep him in the pocket, and close it on him in a way that doesn't allow him to extend plays? Because like Bobby Carpenter was talking about this on on the live show on Monday, like Stetson wants to get out because he's little. He wants to get outside of the pocket and make those plays down the field. It can you. Can you keep him in there? And Ohio State's got some really big bodies with JT and Zach and um even like Tyleek, if you can get Tyleek Williams in there rushing up the middle, I think to make a quarterback uncomfortable if they can rush responsibly. Um, and I think that th- that's been lacking at times this year. So it's, I guess like all, all of that combined is is a way of me asking, like, can we can we see a game where we feel Ohio State's defensive line like take over in the way we've seen it do in years past. Because I, I feel like while it's been good, it hasn't quite been to that level this year.
0: I think that's the part that is maybe you know frustrating to watch with Ohio State when they're mobile quarterbacks and dual threat capability, like that's a problem for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like Ohio State is uniquely struggling with that in college football. I think that's an important reminder. We have that conversation a lot. Well, what does Ohio State struggle with? Mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, well, everybody does. You just think that they'd be better equipped maybe to handle it because, as you said, I mean, Setson Bennett is not the biggest guy. Neither is Daquan Finn. Obviously, J.J. McCarthy's got, uh, you know, some decent measurable skills there. But Zach Harrison has such freakishly long arms. Like, how does something slip away when he creates something off the edge? J.T. Tui is so gifted with his athleticism and can run down most of these quarterbacks. You know, how does that happen for him? I, I don't think that they're the problem. Same is true for Jack Sawyer. Like, a lot of this has happened, in my opinion, because the work at defensive tackle uh, has not been sharp enough. And how much of that can change on Saturday, that depends on Mike Hall and his shoulder and the number of snaps that he gets to play. Like, But we have seen that. Tr- you know, Javante Jean-Baptiste had a couple opportunities to get quarterbacks down in the backfield and, and let that contain slip away. Uh, I don't think that the top three guys have been bad at that necessarily, but the numbers are what they are. Ohio State's given up scramble yards and rushing yards to quarterbacks more so than they would like. So that's how do you account for that? And a lot Mm -hmm. of the answer has been do your job. And Tommy Eichenberg took it one step further and that the challenge is not like you can have a play completely defended, but you can't let up at that point. I think maybe there's been some of that, not to lean into Ohio State's bag of cliches, but the plus two element Uh, just because you finished your initial job doesn't mean that the play is over. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting that Ohio State's been bad at that, but certainly they're aware of it because they're talking about it.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, funnily enough, it seems to be the thing that's maybe – that maybe lacking the most on both sides of the ball for Ohio state is what happens when a play breaks down yeah. on, on, on offense, they maybe don't take advantage of those situations enough. And on, and on defense, they just seem to lose focus a little bit. Uh, and, and that's not just a defensive line. It's, it's probably even more on the back end of the defense. Um, and like, those are hard plays. Like that's there there's a reason why coaches are so keen on, on avoiding broken plays and, and splash plays that, that come off of them because they're hard to defend and it's hard to Keep your focus for you know more than five seconds on a, on a given play. I, I like I get that, but um, that seems to be when Ohio State has gotten burned on defense is when, for whatever reason, a guy with the ball in his hands makes a play and it's like, all right, he's an open space and like everything just sort of falls apart from there. So how how do you avoid that? It's a it's a lot of things, but I think the number one way to avoid it is by that defensive line getting after people, um, getting after quarterbacks uh, more consistently than it has this year. And, and like it's it's there for sure. Like I agree with you. Like JT. Zach's, Zach Harrison's had a really good season. Um JT's had a had a tremendous season and like real, real flashes of brilliance. I think Jack Sawyer has had moments of promise as well. But if they can get those tackles going, like a healthy Mike Hall, the the best version of Tyleek Williams, the best version of Teron Vincent, and you have to pay attention to those guys in the interior or or not, and they're playing well, and you can let them wreck the game from the inside. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what you do against an Ohio State defensive line that's clicking on all cylinders. It just like because of injuries and and maybe lapses in focus at times. I just don't know that we've seen that.
0: Yep, they're going to need it. Uh, Saturday night against Georgia, Ohio State Defensive Media Day is coming your way later on here down in Atlanta. Bill's going to still cover it as always back in Columbus. He'll have some stories at ohiostate.rivals.com, and we'll talk to him on the podcast daily again for Thursday, unless he gets called down uh, to the hospital, which is always (laughs) something that could happen at this time. High alert back there for the Landis crew. Uh, but this, we're we're all set for a Wednesday down here, uh, getting ready for the Peach Bowl with Ohio State and Georgia. The Jim Knowles and a handful of Buckeyes, Silver Bullets will talk. We'll have coverage of that coming your way, uh, and we'll break it all down. That's Bill. I'm Austin. Uh, stay tuned. A lot more coming on the podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Daily.